welcome to the Own Your Epic podcast. My name is Jay Dostal, author of the book Own Your Epic, Leadership Lessons in Owning Your Voice and Your Story. In this podcast, I highlight the stories and voices of educators across the country who are making a difference in schools and uncover what makes them exceptional leaders in their field. By sharing the voices and stories of others, we can all learn to appreciate that each of us is the author of our own epic and our experiences are relatable to others, if we are willing to share them. Let's get started on the Own Your Epic process. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Own Your Epic podcast. This is Jay Dostal and uh, honestly, I'm really excited about the guests that I have on today. Uh, we have been talking about doing this for, I would want to say a couple of months, we've just never been able to get our schedules to work out. Um, but I couldn't ask for just like a more perfect guest for the podcast because I have learned so much from him uh, in the time that I've got to work from. He's just been an awesome advocate for kids, for theater. Uh, he's been my daughter's teacher. Uh, he's a friend of the family and I'm just so excited that you get to learn a little bit more about him because uh, I think once you do, uh, you'll know exactly why I think he's just an amazing educator. So without further ado, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Hello, I'm excited to be here. My name is Trevor Cooperescu. I teach theater here at Fayetteville High School. Just uh, today wraps up my ninth year of teaching. So next year's the Big Ten. Um, wow, it has been quite a journey these almost 10 years with uh, new principals and new superintendents. You know, I joke and say um, I've had a new boss every year. So that's always been a uh, a roller coaster, but I think it's made me stronger as an educator. Uh, I'm so passionate about theater and really inspiring young minds in the arts for, for schools and, and to really uh, carry on the legacy of teaching. I'm a son of a teacher. My mom is a teacher. She's taught for over 30 years and uh, it's something I've always wanted to do and so I'm doing it. I'm living the dream. So outside of your mom being a teacher, why did you want to become an educator? I mean, what what is that draw and why specifically theater? I mean, where did that passion come from? So I grew up in a really small town in Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas. I graduated with a class of like 70 people. Um, there was no drama program in my school. And I was- No uh, drama? No drama. Well, there was drama, obviously, <laughs> in a small town where you know everyone's <laughs> phone number. This is before cell phones, right? So you knew everyone's four-digit phone number sure. to call home. You knew everyone's middle name in a class of, uh, in a class of 70 and you got to be careful who you date because you might find out they're your cousin you know I mean that they jokingly say that in Arkansas but in Northeast Arkansas you got to check with your mom or dad hey you know gotcha no but in, in my uh, my small town uh, theater wasn't a thing uh, it was so small it was um, there wasn't that much of an interest in it but I was this theater nerd uh, I was obsessed with soundtracks as a kid. Uh, anytime I saw a movie, I'd be like, Mom, we gotta go get the soundtrack. Whether it had words or not, I just loved music. And I was always acting and I wanted to be in movies. And so um, my sophomore year, my English teacher, who also was my civics teacher and my AP uh, world history teacher and my youth director at church. Small town you know, school, small -town oh, yeah, absolutely. Teachers, you do it all. Yeah. Um, 
I really wanted to do a play. I was so excited. I had some friends who I thought would want to do it, and I said, can we please have a drama class? Can we please? We're missing out. We have band. We have choir. Why don't we have theater? And she said, okay, I'll go take the practice, and we'll, we'll do theater next year, but I'm going to need your help. So my junior year, we offered a drama class, and I helped the teacher um, come up with lessons and things, and we did a play. Um, what and play it was, was it? Super fun. You know, it was called Under the Big Top. It was this silly circus play. Um, I have it in my classroom, my script still, you know. I would never do it now, because it's just so campy. But it was so fun, and the community loved it. Um, and then the class grew. Uh, we were able to do um, two sections my senior year because so many people thought it wow. was so cool. And I knew that, you know, the stage was my calling. I was really interested in directing, but I knew I was going to go to Florida State University, a big musical theater school, you know. Um, but I couldn't afford it. And I remember I'm like, well, I'm at least going to go across the state to the University of Arkansas because I needed to get out of that small town, you know, that's every kid's dream. And so I did, I joined University of Arkansas to do a major in theater, thinking I would just stay there a year and transfer, you know, back to a bigger school, but I fell in love with the program and the professors. And through that, I fell in love with directing. I, I took a directing class and thought it was just so much fun, and directing is teaching. And I just really fell in love with watching these professors, professors teach us the skill of acting. And I just got so obsessed with the origin of history, the history of theater, and what, how do we become the character and learning that empathy and the psychology of it that really I realized, just to be blunt, you know, you can hear it in my voice, I was going to be a typecast person. My, my professor said, Trevor, you will never be the lead. You are going to always be the gay best friend. You'll be a great ensemble member. Um, and that was really hard to digest because, you know, your dream is I want to be famous. I want to be on Broadway. But I, to this day, am so grateful for that professor telling me that reality check because this is in 2006. And if you look at theater in that time, there weren't many modern musicals or plays that leaned into um, a serious, you know, LGBTQ plus roles. It was always the, the sidekick character and there weren't many. And so I realized, oh, well, there's not much work for me. Um, but I kind of fell back into that whole, I love directing, I love directing, I get it. And my mom, who's a teacher, she taught second grade. Um, she always said that I was such a good teacher, that I was good, I was a babysitter and youth group, I would teach, I would do children's moments at school, I would teach lessons. And I just knew, she's like, you should combine those two skills. And so I'm like, I'll think about it. But I ended up graduating in th with theater and I immediately was like, no, I want to do this. I want to teach. I want to direct. And so I jumped straight into my MAT and, and got lucky and came to Fayetteville High School to intern and connected with the amazing Warren Rosenauer, who's taught for 30 plus years and, 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 is, back. Uh, and is back and he's running our theater. And I learned the most from him. But yeah, long story, like long winded, it was just following my passion and kind of honing it into this amazing profession. And now it's so great being in a larger school of Fayetteville, you still see, I still see those, those um, students like me who 
aren't necessarily outcasts. I was not an outcast in high school. I was the involved in everything. I was most spirited, class president, you know, in, in all the things. But my passion was theater and I found my people and I kind of see that and that's kind of who I reach out to is that you see those kids in theater and at Fayetteville High School that it, it speaks to them and I like to hone that and inspire them to follow it. So, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. I've got, <laughs> I've got to ask you some side questions that are off, off script here. Well, first of all, just know that I was voted biggest mouth oh. in high school, my seniors per living. I know that doesn't surprise you. and I know it doesn't surprise our listeners as well. Um, but I want to go back to the, the notion of you didn't come to teaching. Teaching came to you, which I think is, is a very interesting uh, portion of this career because, you know, in my role as a, an administrator in hiring teachers, I've started to see more people who are coming to teaching now from a chosen profession uh, that they went and had experience maybe in the business world or something else, but they found out that they, they found that love for teaching later. They didn't, uh, they came to teaching as opposed to, you know, like me, I knew, but both of my parents were teachers. I was going to go into teaching. No matter, this is this is what I grew up with, and so I think there's a very uh, different approach to that because some people look at teaching just as uh, I, you can't make any money. It, it, they they view teaching through a certain lens, but it isn't until they have some experiences, whether it be in post-secondary or in the workforce when they get to be around kids that they really find out that teaching is, oh yeah, this this might be something different. And so I, I thought it was very interesting that, uh, that that was your journey. I do have to ask you though, because you said you really loved the music as a child. What is the best soundtrack that you have come across? Like what, what's that soundtrack that like this, oh, it's like man. asking me what my, my favorite movie is, and I said, I'll give you a top five. I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what's the best musical soundtrack you think right now? Ooh, the best musical soundtrack right now. Because I'll tell you what mine is. Okay, you got to You want to take a guess? Right now? Right now. Oh, well, I know you love Wicked, but is it something new? Like, it, what do you think? I, I love Wicked. I'll sing Wicked. Uh, and I love Hamilton, but mine is Rent. Oh, yeah. I actually love the Rent soundtrack. I just, uh, I like, mean, you can just hit play and just like, rock out. I was out. playing La Vie Bohème uh, yes. <laughs> on the ride to work today, and I'm singing. If people were going to come by, they're like, oh, my gosh. And you've heard my singing voice. I can't sing a lick, <laughs> but I just belt it out. And I can imagine if somebody came up like, what in the world is that guy doing? So what is yours? Man, you know, I... Mm, that is so hard, Jay. You know, <laughs> I, that is just so hard to think of. I have so many. I'm a weirdo because, like, I have a soundtrack for every mood or for every kind of, ah. like, what's going on in my life. Do I need a pump-up soundtrack? Do I need to get in my feels? So know? what's your soundtrack right now, end of the school year? What's, what's that one? Like, Ooh, you're excited for the summer. My summer exciting soundtrack. You know what's weird? I, because it's, I'm seeing it next month, is a chorus line. Oh, okay. <laughs> a chorus line's coming to the Walton Arts Center. And I love that because it's a soundtrack of stories and hope and um, 
just like people like they're trying to like start something new and I know that's kind of what I've been listening to so that's the first one that comes out it's one of my favorite musicals okay. it's a chorus line okay. so I can say that one is it's a good one I'm really into that one who are your your biggest influences I know you talked about your mom I know you talked about Warren Rosenauer but you know who are those who are those people in your life that really push you to excel and be the amazing and awesome person that you are I have three and I've already said two so obviously my mom like she everyone loves their mom but like she is the best teacher I mean seeing her growing up in that small town like everyone would just rave about her like she is to this day she retired um, from teaching and was retired for maybe six months and the school district called and begged her back um, which that says a lot for someone. Uh, yeah, it does. Um, a school district that she had only been teaching at for, gosh, five or six years because she moved up here to Fayetteville. Um, my sophomore year of college, um, I was going to school and I told her, I said, hey, you should come up to Fayetteville. I, had a young, I have a younger sister. She's nine years younger than me. And I said, the education system up here is so great. Um, you should start a new, start new, like come up here with me, Fayetteville's great. And so she did, she got, came up here and got a job at Root Elementary. And what's cool is she taught second grade, but she had her master's in special education. And so she found a job in special education. And it's so interesting is I asked her recently, why, why did you switch to special education? I'm like, that is so hard. Like being a high school teacher, I think our special education teachers have the hardest job. I do. The paperwork, the patience, um, just it's, every student is so different. And I just feel like it's such a hard career. And she said, I love it. It's my passion. It's actually what I went to school for. And I never knew that until like this year that she actually went to college to be a special education teacher, but she got a job in our small town in second grade. And she just stayed at it because she was good at it. But I do remember growing up that my mom always had the special needs kids in her second grade classroom. So this was before inclusion was a thing, you know, that the students typically would be excluded, but my mom was an advocate of, no, put them in my classroom. So she was like ahead of the curb there. And so it actually made me grow as a human and it's made me a stronger teacher because I grew up around special needs kids. And so I wasn't scared of, of the different. Um, I saw my mom embraced and loved the difference, and that helped me so much embrace and love people, and it's made me a strong teacher because I'm not scared of those students who are, are lower in, whether it be in academic or in communication or in emotional baggage. Like, I get it because I grew up around it, so she's inspired me so much to see that it takes someone who wants to do it out of love, you know, and just passion. And so she's inspired me so much. Um, I also have to give a shout out to my theater teacher I mentioned earlier, um, the teacher who would go and get a certification for their students because they know it's what they need and want and that it could be something positive for the school and the culture and for the students. I mean, the fact that she can teach everything. I mean, she was a volleyball coach she does the school newspaper now she's doing school yearbook like she's still teaching in that small school and I'm like wow I want to be her like that is 
awesome. If you, you talk about and own your epic about being awesome or being cool, like Coach Wallace is awesome because she gave it all, but she's also really cool. Um, so she was both. Uh, and then of course, Warren Rose Nara, who teaches here at Fayetteville High School. Gosh, for a, for a man to be a one person drama program and do the amazing, but he did like three or four, three plays a year and one act by himself. Like I cannot fathom doing all of that work. Like his love was this school and his program. Like that was his life. And I just think he's incredible to do that. It's just, and everyone loves him and he knows everyone. That's my goal is I wanna teach. Fayetteville was my like long-term goal to one day work here and I got so lucky that my first job is here. But now I'm like, if I can fill one shoe of a Warren Rosenauer shoes, like I've succeeded. Like I wanna be known and remembered as someone who impacted students beyond theater, right? Cause that's what teaching is. And that's funny that you said like, teaching comes to you or you come to teaching. I really don't think, uh, yep, if you're really good in your content, that's great, but that doesn't make you a great teacher. Teaching isn't really the content. It's, it's connecting with students and making them feel special or like crafting what they're good at and giving them that inspiration. Like that's kind of what I've leaned more into with teaching is just really connecting with students and finding a shared passion. Well, it's interesting to say that because you know this, because uh, I've talked to you about it. connection is like, my connect is my one word for this year. So I'm gonna fill your bucket here a little bit because you, you, you know, you talk about you want to be in that realm of having an impact and we've talked about this and I'm gonna to continue to talk about this, but you've done that for my daughter. My daughter, when she thinks about her time at Fayetteville High School, she mentions Mr. Cooper Rescue all the time. You were in fact the first teacher from Fayetteville High School that she met when we were transitioning up here. You were at a Harry Potter <laughs> convention. You were dressed as Harry Potter and we saw at the, it wasn't the graduate at the time, it was, uh, I can't even remember what it was before the graduate, but. Yeah, it was a C, something with a C. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, whatever, but you walked around the corner and they're like, whoa, hey, Trevor, how's it going? This is my daughter, she's very into theater. She still remembers that day. So the impact that you have had on her, because I see it on a daily basis, is, is there. And I know that you've had that impact on others. So you need to understand that you are well on your way oh, of, you. of filling the shoes of Mr. Rosenauer. And I know that's a tough job, but you're not Warren Rosenauer. You're Trevor Cooper Rescue and you're forging your own path, which is which is awesome. So, all right, so you mentioned Own Your Epics. I gotta ask a question about this because it relates to that topic. So you have finished the book, we've talked about this. Two of the, the steps in the Own Your Epic process are curating and cultivating those stories or moments in your life that help amplify your voice. And can you talk to me a little bit, a bit about maybe what is that one story or maybe a couple of moments in your life that you find yourself telling people about you so they can get to know you? Like they, they had such a significant impact. You know, I think the story you shared already about uh, the theater program in high school and the fact that that teacher would go and get that endorsement so you could have a theater program, that impacted you and kind of forged this. Are there any other moments like that that are just uh, either personal, professional, that just like, yeah, this has really shaped the person that I am, the educator that I am? 
I think one of the best stories I like to tell um, that has shaped me as an educator and in life comes from my first year of teaching, my very first solo year of teaching at Fayetteville High School. And, and it goes back to even Own Your Epic and you talk about it in the book is like being able to say no. And my first year of teaching in a new school, you wanna make an impact. You wanna let everyone know like you're dependable, um, that you're trustworthy, that you're not only liked, like you said in your book, that you're not only liked, but you can trust. And I really love that when you talk about that, there are people that you can trust, but you don't like very much. And you have people that you don't like very much, but you can trust them, right? Right. Um, I wanna be both, <laughs> as we all want to be. But I remember that first year, if you're and if you're a first year teacher, please listen, like take this <laughs> advice. Don't say yes to everything and say yes to what you're passionate about and know your limits and boundaries. I was asked to take on graduation the first year. I'm like, yes, I'll totally do that. And then I was asked to help, you know, I'm always wanting to be a helper. And I had a teacher who asked me to do an overnight trip and take students to a forensics debate tournament. And I did not know the students. It was um, a three hour trip. Um, and I said, sure, yeah, I'll do that for you. And I went on this trip not knowing the students and I didn't know the rules and what's going on. And I remember like the night after the first day, I'm going doing room checks and I open one of the doors and the guys have brought an Xbox 360 and they're playing Xbox. And I'm like, what are you doing? I was so confused. I'm like, don't you have rounds tomorrow? And they're like, oh no, we, we lost our rounds today. So we're done. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, <laughs> and so I was just like, again, I don't know what's going on. And then there were some other silly incidents that happened and then the next day on the way home, on the bus ride home, a student got extremely ill. I mean, so ill that we had to go to the hospital. So I'm a first year teacher in a hospital parking lot with me and a bus driver and 20 kids. And it's now 11 o'clock at night. We're three hours from home and I'm inside the hospital with this kid sick, like waiting on his parents to get there. And it was the most traumatizing experience because <laughs> I've never done this before and I'm by myself in charge of kids. How old are you at this time? I am, oh my gosh, what, how old was I? 22, 23? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on. With some 18 year olds. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, kid getting sick on the bus, then in the hospital, he's scared. I'm trying to be like this dad, which I'm not a dad. I'm 23, 22. I'm like an uncle or an older brother, right? So this whole time, I'm just like cursing this teacher that I'm like, why did I say yes to this? But I got through it and it made me stronger. But I can tell you the next time that teacher asked like a week or two later, hey, can you go again? I was like, no, I'm sorry. I can't help you with this because I don't know your students. I don't know your program. And I just feel like this is outside of my realm, right? And it's, that's like the plague of educators, and I knew you know this because as much as you like to, as much as you tell yourself that you should say no, you're an educator, and I know that you want to help. Yes. And the teacher's heart is one where you want to try to save every single person, you want to help in every single scenario. But uh, if anything has kind of magnified that over the the that you can't continue that trend this pandemic teaching thing has kind of gotten us to that point where, and I know we've had this conversation before, that you can't 
first of all, solve or save everybody. You can't fill up other people's buckets if your own bucket is not full itself. And at some point, you have to say no. And I remember one of the most difficult conversations I think that you've had with me is when you came in uh, and you said, I have to give up the PAC manager role, uh, performing arts center manager role, because I'm gonna have twin boys and I need to spend time with it. And I know that being part of the theater program here and helping Warren and doing all of that is like, it's part of who you are. And giving that up and saying, no, I can't do this anymore because I have something else that I need to do was very difficult. Like, I remember you coming in, like, don't, please don't be upset with me. I'm, like, I'm not upset with you. You should absolutely spend more time with your kids. But do you find that it gets easier to say no over time once you kind of figure out what you're, like, I guess the question is, how good at you are, are you at setting boundaries and expectations on your time? I am going to pat myself on the back because in the past three years or so, I've gotten so much better at it. I think becoming a parent has helped me grow so much in that. Um, one of our assistant principals here, Byron Ziegler, he's been my evaluator and he has been my constant evaluator and admin my nine years here and I love him. He talks about, he picks, he would go in a foxhole for you. And I am so proud to be one of his foxhole people. And he gave me the best advice. And this kind of goes with both things for a second. I went to him before I talked to you about the pack thing. The dream is like, it's a person's dream to get paid to run a theater, an amazing theater. And I love managing. I love getting to meet people in the community. I love seeing other programs because I love all fine arts. Sure. Just like, it's my obsession and I was getting paid to do it I'm like, this is awesome but the time is so crazy like I was there every day till 10 at night like every day and so because I'm, high schools never shut down high schools never shut down right and I'm like man I don't want to give this up but I had these kids and I was telling Byron I was like I just need to take a step back because they're babies they're only babies once I need them to know me I need to be around it's so important and he stopped me and said, Trevor, I'm going to tell you that you're, what you're looking at this is wrong. They actually don't need you the most right now. A lot of people think that your kids need you at this age, but the most time they're going to need you is at the dinner table when they're in middle school, and they're going to need you to say, how was your day today? What's going on in your life today? That is what I think parents forget about, and, I actually, and it's resonated with me more now as a high school teacher i feel that's what we're missing for our connection is that our high school students aren't having that connection with their parents what do high school kids do at dinner they're probably watching netflix in their room on their phone i would love to poll and see how many high school students eat dinner with their families and get asked how are you doing in person not on a text on a phone call and i think to me i go wow Byron, you're so right. So I don't see myself ever doing pack management again and stuff until my boys are out of high school because I don't want to miss those moments. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because uh, you know my wife, Melanie, special education teacher, and our two kids, uh, we make it a point to have dinner with each other 
which sometimes can be a fiasco because mm -hmm. Melanie, like, I, I just want to engage in conversation. Melanie brings a project to the table, like we're going to have conversation. And one night she brought up the book of uh, The Daily Stoic, where you're talking about the, <laughs> if you don't know anything about Stoicism, it, uh, j just go check it out. <laughs> anyway, you know my daughter, very opinionated, very articulate, and she and I are peas in a pod, and we just butt heads, and uh, we actually had to, <laughs> we got in an argument over the Daily Stoic to the point where Melanie was crying, Mason yelled, said, why do you guys have to fight about this over the dinner? But you know what? That's a moment that I always will remember because we still came back together. We still eat around the table. We still have those conversations. And yes, I agree with you that if more parents and more families would do that, we might not have as many of these issues that we see coming around us. So I'm glad you brought that up. Dude, we're at 28 minutes. I know That's the time fast. just flies. Wow. Uh, you know, what, what are some closing thoughts you have? I mean, this is, this is kind of your free time for you to say whatever you need to say to anybody who's listening to this, educators, parents, whatever. Um, I'm gonna refer back to Own Your Epic. Um, I really just loved that. You know, I, I read it in one sitting. Um, well, that's I, I good. did. It, it, I started it. So you're the one read, reader. Oh, yeah. uh, there should be, if you've not read it, pick it up. And I'm genuinely saying that. I'm a theater teacher and I'm reading this book on leadership because theater is leadership. You're yes. directing teaching as leadership. We're all leaders, but I think coming off this pandemic, um, coming off the isolation, um, I really liked um, the quote. I really love that you said, you're not a robot. You're a human being with emotions that matter. Let people see your humanity. Um, also, forgiveness is about having the courage to drop the baggage that is weighing you down and allowing yourself to continue on your epic without someone's prior actions controlling you. And those two really stood out to me coming off of this. I think um, it's really important that we remember that we're all humans, that we all had some introspective time at home for two years to kind of reevaluate our life, our professions. You know, I think we're all seeing a mass exodus in um, all professions, not just education, all professions. People are changing careers. And um, I think I've learned though, don't make rash decisions. <laughs> I think a lot of people are just jumping ship quickly, but not thinking it through. Um, but then also allow yourself to think it through and allow yourself to uh, follow that passion because I think we're really seeing the importance of family, importance of mental health, the importance of, of owning your epic. And I hope that people can take these, you know, this hard time and see the positive in it that I hope that you've all had a chance to reflect. Um, I know I struggled with, man, this profession is hard. And I considered like, could I do something else? And the answer is yes. But at the end of the day, when you dig deep, it's like, yeah, but what I'm doing does matter. I am passionate about it. And just remembering the positives and holding on to those and, and just keep following that heart and that drive and passion of why you started it in the first place. So that's, that's kind of awesome. where I'm at. That's so cool. Um, well, hey, we're, we're at that time. Uh, I have to tell you that uh, one, of, one of my favorite people just because you you have never pulled punches, you just come in and you tell me ex 
tell me exactly how it is, whether I want to hear it or not. And <laughs> we have those conversations. We've got that relationship that we can do it. But one of my favorite, one of my favorite people, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to be on this podcast. It means the world to me. I'm excited about, uh, even though we won't be seeing each other physically uh, pretty soon here, we will uh, stay connected forever just because you know you've always got a place in my heart with my family with me and so thank you very much and um, that is the end of this episode of the podcast so I uh, hope you tune in for the next episode and until then own your epic thank you for joining me on today's podcast to find out more about own your epic check out my website at ownyourepic.blogspot.com where you can purchase my book or subscribe to all the latest blog and podcast updates. Until next time, own your epic and share your voice and your story. It matters and can make a difference in the lives of others.